Honey, where is my podcast? Hello, world. This is Eric Dye with longtime Church Mag authors Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Welcome to the 44th Church Mag Podcast. How you're going to do a digital ministry is going to look a little bit differently than everybody else. Is it really you, or are you just copying, pasting? Mm-hmm. He's not just sitting on the sidelines. He's actually in there doing doing the work. This week, the podcast is brought to you by Rethinking Your Church Website Strategy by Jonathan Malm. Get ready to change the way you think about church websites. Get ready to make something completely unique and completely effective for your church. Learn more at churchmagpress.com. In this week's episode, we'll be listening to an interview with Jonathan Malm. But before we dive in, let's take a listen to a power-packed Church Mag audio pro tip from the super awesome Mike Sessler. Hey everyone, this is Mike Sessler from the churchtecharts.org website and the Church Tech Weekly Podcast, and I'm here today with another audio pro tip. You know, you might have had this experience uh, when you're uh, working on a mix on a Sunday morning or a Saturday afternoon, and you're trying to put it all together, and for some reason, something is just not working. You can't quite get the mix where you want it. Uh, maybe something just doesn't feel right. It's, it's too loud. It's not. It's just not feeling the way it's supposed to be feeling. You know it can be better, but you don't know what to do. Maybe you've tried all kinds of different uh, tweaks and EQs and rebalancing and parallel compression and you know all kinds of effects and stuff, and it's just not happening. So what do you do? Well, uh, something I learned about uh, 10 years ago is uh, to take what I call the nuclear option. I was working with a friend of mine at church, and uh, he had been a professional sound mixing engineer for a number of years on the road. And um, Man, we were just working on a mix, and he just could not get it to sound right. We kept trying different things, and it just wasn't happening. Well, finally, he just grabbed all the faders and pulled them all off shut the whole thing down. He said, you know what? That's it. I'm starting over. And over the next couple of minutes, he rebuilt that whole mix channel by channel. You know, every, every input. And over the next couple of minutes, he rebuilt that mix channel by channel. And when he was done, we looked at each other and thought, yeah, that's what it should sound like. And honestly, I'm not sure what changed because when we were done, the board didn't look that different from when we started, but it was different enough. You see, sometimes we can get ourselves off into kind of deep weeds and lose sight of what we're trying to do. And like being lost in a field of deep weeds, we maybe can't see how to get out of it. Um, so this nuclear option is sort of like mowing that whole field of greens and being able to see where you're trying to go. It's like a giant brush hog for your mix. Now, when you clear the faders, you can restart the whole mixing process. It's kind of like rebooting your computer. You get a fresh start at the mix. Your brain is kind of resynced. You can start from the rhythm section, as I often do, or start with the vocals. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you feel most comfortable with, whatever works best for you in your situation. Uh, I like to think of the foundation of the drums and bass and then layering guitars and keys and put the vocals on top. But you know, a lot of guys like to start off with the vocal because that should be the most prominent thing and then build the mix around underneath that. Either way, when you start from scratch, you get that opportunity to put it together the way you want. And the funny thing about this process is most of the time when you do it, you won't be able to tell what was wrong with the mix before, but it will sound a whole lot better. Uh, One word of caution, though, if your band is on wedges and not in-ears, you may want to warn them before you do this, because if you pull all that volume out of the house during a rehearsal, it kind of messes them up a little bit, and it could freak them out. Also, probably don't want to do this during a service, but that probably goes without saying. If you want more uh, interesting tips and tricks like this, you can check out the website at churchtecharts.org or listen to our podcast at churchtechweekly.com. Thanks. With us, we have Jonathan Malm. He is one stinking creative guy. He has 
he has done for this is making you uncomfortable getting <laughs> I, these kind of I, praises done. <laughs> yeah, I just love your you're so creative with stinking creative and that's that's fun. Yeah, uh you've done four books. Um one of them's here. You sent it to me. It's the devotional created for more. And so far, so good. I, I, I'm going to be writing a review on this. I haven't yet because I want to finish it. And uh, so far, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you've, you've got a couple other books. You have one. Uh, list them off because I don't know them all off the top of my head. Yeah, so there's Developing a Series, which is an ebook, um, two ninety nine, published on Amazon and iBooks. Uh, it basically just helps churches uh, develop a sermon series, the branding the some of the content it's a lot more about philosophy than about practice um you know i think a lot of churches do things differently and that's great i think it should stay that way but i think some of the philosophies behind why you do it are pretty across the board you know for any church so i tried to go more the philosophy that that starts from the ground up and then you can put on your you know your own design techniques your own you know content ish things that you want uh the next one is um rethinking your church web strategy website strategy uh published through church mag press um, and that one is about the same sort of thing, the philosophy behind your website. Who is your website for, your church website? Um, who should it be reaching? What kind of content do you need? Um, it's really about making your, your first impression with people, which is often the church website, as strong as possible. Uh, then the new one that just came out, the uh, uh, Church Marketing Sucks is Unwelcome, um, which is basically 50 things that churches uh, inadvertently do that drive away guests. And then 50 ways to turn those around and make them actual great points, great welcome points for your church. And the devotional. And the devotional, created for more. Yeah, that's, that's a 30-day devotional for, uh, for anyone involved in making something. Um, whether you're creative, whether you'd like to be creative, whether you don't think you're creative at all, but you probably are and you just don't realize it. Uh, the book is going to help you uh, connect, connect that creative side of your, of your life and of your mind and of your work to the creative nature of God and uh, help kind of uh, span the gap between your spiritual life and your work life and your everyday life. And my goal in that was, you know, I tend not to finish devotionals because um, I, I just get distracted or I, you know, I feel like oh, this isn't really connecting to my life. Um, and that was my goal is to break down those barriers and uh, keep people from segmenting those two things because I don't think they need to be segmented. I agree. And, you know, one thing that I really like about your approach in all four of these books, actually, is they're they're very fundamental. So whether you're, you know, have a, a small church of fifty people, or you have a mega church of five thousand people, the principles apply. Uh, and a lot of times, no matter what link you are in the chain of the machine, whether it be unwelcome, whether you're responsible for the ushers, whether you're the pastor or the creative devotional, whether you're a pastor or you're a web designer that, or the rethinking web design, whether you, again, are the pastor, um, you are the web designer, you know, no matter who you are in that chain, there are fundamentals that, that you can apply you know, they're not like they're not step. They're not how-to guides or anything like that. They're fundamentals that can be applied in lots of different areas. So I really appreciate that with with the approach of your writing and the resources that you've developed. You know, Jonathan. You know, we've talked about you know these four books. Uh, they're great. Tell us a little bit about you. You know, where, where do you live? What do you you know? What's your day job kind of thing? You know, who who's who's Jonathan Mall? <laughs> 
That's a that's a very complicated question because <laughs> I don't. I imagine so. I don't even know if I know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's. I always joke that I'm I'm unemployed because I really am. Um, I my day I have to be super structured and super disciplined. We call that freelancing, Jonathan. Well, you know, yeah, but it's it's not even that I have a client. That's the weird thing. I I basically work for myself. Um, I. You know, so what I do is is a lot of a lot of content creation. I write a whole lot, um, you know, between blogs, between uh, uh, well. So I, there's there's the writing aspect, and then there's also the um, content uh, curation. I, the word is so buzzword, but you know the the curation or the you know. So a lot of with Sunday Mag, one of my projects, I tell a lot of people what I'd like them to write about. So. I, you know, I, I go online and see what, you know, kind of what people are talking about, what questions people have, what people are struggling with, and try to connect the people who have the answers to those questions to the, the people who need to hear it. Um, so, I, you know, with Sunday Mag, I resource a lot of writers to write about these topics. And um, there's just a whole lot of that. And it's all sorts of random stuff. Then I have another business and another blog and another uh, I'm constantly writing books. So there's all sorts of weird stuff that all somehow comes together to make my job what it is. Um, and then me personally, I grew up as a pastor's kid and then a missionary kid. We lived in Guatemala for six years of my life. Um, and then we came back and I was again a pastor's kid. My dad runs a missions organization um, with 500 missionaries around the world, I think. Um, my brother runs a cool organization called summit leaders who he actually just came up with a book through Moody publishers too. Um, he, it, summit leaders, what they do is he, uh, connects, you know, like Mark Batterson, he brings Mark Batterson on a trip with 12 other people. And then they, they hike Machu Picchu, you know, in, in Peru while Mark Batterson is kind of discipling these 12 people. It's like this leadership conference on the trail. Um, so he does that really cool thing. Uh, my sister, uh, my middle sister, she's, um, my brother's the oldest. I'm the youngest. She's the middle. She lives in California with, uh, my two nieces and her husband, who's an air force pilot. Uh, and then my parents uh, live an hour away from me. So that, that's a whole lot of details about my life, but hopefully that gives you some sort of picture of who I am. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So your work at your own church, you, what do you do? Are, are, do you, is it a thing where you're so busy with, with all the, the content writing and active with the church as a whole that you know it's good just to get in there Sunday morning and to be participatory on that level? Or do you, are, or do you have responsibilities at, uh, on, on the local church level as well? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm strictly volunteer, um, but you know, really good friends with my pastor and Every now and then I'll, I'll brainstorm with him on ideas for the church. Um, I, I volunteer with the worship team. So two Sundays a month, I help lead worship, uh, play guitar and sing. Um, yeah, just kind of, I like to be as much involved as possible. I try to stack all of my work on Monday through Wednesday. So then Thursdays I can, you know, go out with the pastor for coffee for an hour or two. Um, I recently, my wife suggested I take him out for a steak dinner. So I went to a Brazilian Brazilian steakhouse and, and that was so much fun. I'm so glad my wife gave me the go ahead on that. Um, which is anytime I love connecting with people. I try to, you know, Thursdays and Fridays, I try to make available to just connect with people in town. And it's, it's, it's a pretty cool environment to be in. Um, sometimes I forget how enjoyable my job is. Uh, but right now I remember it's fun. Well, that's awesome. You know, being, being active on that level and, and the way you've structured your life really, 
lends well to creativity and creating that content that you work hard on as well as keeps you close to you know the mission at hand most most of the people that that read these ebooks that read church mag and and uh, these different resources online are people that are volunteers like yourself that are going to uh, they're not going to large churches. They're going to just, you know, your average size, couple hundred people max, you know, uh, people that are working hard that, that, that need with, with a little bit of direction, a little bit of help can do awesome, amazing things. And I think that, uh, the way you, your life is, is, is great because it, it keeps you, it keeps you in that, in that, in that mode. Um, we recently moved uh, further north here in Italy, and uh, I've been given the responsibility of fixing the sound system and helping redo the church website. And uh, I am excited because after not having done that stuff for quite a few years, um, I mean, excited, I mean, there's caveats with that. Am I right? <laughs> This is mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exactly. Because I think I think the pastor said at one point he's like, maybe we could get ideas from the congregation on what should be on the website. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. yeah, mm, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll just kind of watch this. But I, I was inspired because I'm like, you know, this is the roots of of church tech and church creativity is you know getting down there in the trenches. So that's really cool to to. Uh, to hear that that you're in those same trenches as well, and explains so much why all the stuff that you put out is is so impressive. The 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 uh, the curated magazine that you talk about, I mean, is it is seriously well done. I'm, compliments to you. I've had the opportunity to get to write for you on that as well, and impressed with the process that we had on coming up with a topic and uh, you know applying it and how it all turned out. Very impressive. So everyone should definitely check that out. Jonathan, do you have anything new in the works or anything on the horizon that you want to give us a sneak peek about? Oh man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I'm at the point where I've kind of everything that I've made is kind of out there now. Um, there's a few projects I'm always, you know, I have a Evernote folder with some outlines of book ideas and some, um, you know, I, I recently submitted another book for consideration to a publisher. Not sure if anything's going to come of that. Um, but it's, it's a full manuscript done. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think I might be able to self-publish if nothing else. And then uh, I recently had a trip to India to speak at a conference. And the, the story of how I got there is just pretty hilarious and pretty interesting, I think. Um, so I'm kind of writing that down as a short ebook. I want to give away. Just I, I think there's some – I think it's entertaining to read, first of all, but I think it's just going to be uh, get you some, some nuggets about – uh, kind of living a life that's open to cool things, um, which I don't know. My, my brother posted a blog a couple of days ago that reminded me of something my dad always did is I realized my dad never really told us no. Like he never really let, he never, he pretty much let us do whatever we wanted. I mean, if it came to like rebellion or things that were like, you know, against God, it was, it was strict. It was, it was rough. But I mean, I dyed my hair blue one summer as a teenager and my dad didn't care. Like, I mean, I, I did it at a camp. Like I went away to camp, came back and my hair was blue and he's like, that looks kind of cool. Like he'd, he'd, he never really said no to us. He always let us try whatever we want. Um, even if I wanted to go to a party in high school and he's like, you know, what do you think, Jonathan? Should you go? And I'm like, he, I mean, he would always let me say yes or no, which is really interesting. But he let us, uh, and that's what my brother was saying. He's, he let us always try things. We were never afraid to try new things. 
you know, if it was something that was sin or something that was, you know, directly against God, no, no, no. But um, we are very experimental in our lives. Um, and I think that led to some really cool things. I think that's part of why my brother was able to start this organization, um, why I can, you know, write a book and there's just not that fear of, oh, well, do I have something to say? Because I'll just write it and if nothing comes of it, oh, well, who cares? Um, so I think, you know, that in that trip to India, I think I learned even more about doing some stuff like that. And that's kind of what the book's about. Um, I kind of went into a big bunny trail on that, but I don't know if anything's come of that, come of that either. But It was, it was an fun. awesome bunny trail. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping our eyes open for that and let everybody know because that, uh, that sounds very, very interesting. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time, for being on the Church Mag podcast. And yeah, please, love to be on. We'll have to have you on again sometime. And that was our interview with the very creative Jonathan Malm. Phil, what a creative guy, huh? Very creative. Uh, incredibly. I mean, I, I'm listening to him talk about his work week and his job, and I'm like, how, where was that booth at Career Fair, you know? I mean, I would like to to, to do that. So Yeah, and I know, and before and after the interview and other times I've talked with Jonathan, I kind of had this feeling like, hey, we're kind of doing the same thing, you know, we're kind of out on our own, doing our own thing, and God's uh, really given this opportunity to do what we're doing. And then he outlines his work week, and I'm like, what the crap? I'm clearly doing something wrong, because my work week does not look like that. <laughs> no joke. Well, the idea of taking Thursdays to just meet with people and uh, connect and, and be a part of uh, life in this community was just, I, lo- I love it. And uh, it's like, okay, I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, can I just stop taking podcast notes? I'm just going to take some life notes real quick here. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I thought was really cool about Jonathan is not only his down-to-earth approach, and I think that comes across in his different books and stuff because he talks about fundamentals and not necessarily uh, how, like, how-to manuals, but he just talks about fundamentals, is the fact that he is an active volunteer like like anyone else. Mm -hmm. He's not just sitting on the sidelines. He's actually in there doing doing the work. Exactly, exactly like what what Jeremy Smith does. I mean, Jeremy talks about social media, but he's not just like this self prescribed expert. He's actually somebody that's done the hard work in social media, right? Like right? That, you like that compliment, I'm Jeremy? I'm following that up with a comment. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, he's stroking his own ego, so I can see why he was Zuckerberg, the that. dudes on Twitter, and you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do not respond to that. I am leaving that. I am leaving that alone. On social media, do not respond to that one. I he is dropping the mic. I make too many comments about social media gurus, and if I make a comment, I'm just putting myself up for a softball hit. You sure? <laughs> exactly you sure right. Here, <laughs> total sucker punch. My favorite part about um, the interview, Eric, I guess, was. Uh, his is is talking about how he he doesn't do a lot of uh, talk about practicals or he doesn't get into the step one do this step two do this you know he's, he's not giving IKEA directions you know in his books he's he's laying out you know the philosophical fundamentals like here's why I do this here's why I think you should do this ask yourselves these questions before you do this and that, right I like how I, I like how he even said. Here are the fundamentals. Here's the framework. Now, take this framework. Take these concepts and use your own voice. Tell your own story. Do it in the way that fits your church. 
you know, instead of that small Presby- that small Presbyterian church in Little Town America should not be doing a West Coast mega church production. It just it looks it looks stupid. And so he's saying, here are the fundamentals. Now add your own flavoring, mix it up your way, which I really thought was cool. It, totally cool. And I like the fact that he's he's giving churches then freedom to do. Maybe, 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 I don't know how to phrase this to do what what um, to to dream big and to take big steps. Give them the freedom to do it in their own way, in their own context. You know, like I was watching a DVD series from Andy Stanley. He's sitting on stage next to some L, some LCD uh, flat panels, and he's sitting at, at, at a stool next to a, a tall tall table, and he's just talking and doing this and doing that. He's wearing, I think he's wearing jeans and a shirt, and I'm thinking that's so cool. My pastor could not get away with that. <laughs> you know, that's not our context. But my pastor can present a, a, a not the same message. He wouldn't take his message, but could present a similar style message with a similar, you know, philosophical approach, which actually we're, we're kind of doing. We, we've gone through as a staff uh, deep and wide by Andy Stanley. And so we're working through some of those philosophical approaches, but not necessarily taking on the practical appearance that he has. It's those kind of fundamentals that are really important no matter what you do, whether you're doing, you know, sermon series, whether you're doing your church website, whether you're doing your bulletin, whether you're doing even your social media, you know, is it really you or are you just copying, pasting what somebody else did that someone, someone else said, hey, this is successful, this is what works. I feel like that's where a lot of what's comes out for people is an instant gratification for a lot of stuff because I just learned a lot of stuff going on and and so I'm going to just reduplicate everything everybody else is doing and and initially that's all right I think that in some ways I'll be honest I think in some ways that's how I got into social media Um, that's where I started as far as trying to implement social media into youth ministry and trying to help other churches get there but I also think that a lot of churches a lot of people just in general try to just stay there and mimic other people. And I think that that, get, that becomes a problem, especially since your audience is not their audience, that your entire culture and background and experience is not theirs as well. And simply from a blogging standpoint, I have a huge issue with people that just simply repost five great ideas for your ministry to be able to use social media because it's been done over and over again. Literally, you're just copying five different points from five different blog articles, or if you're really bad about it, copy pasting someone else's and not coming up with your own ideas. And I think hey, that's, I had a busy week last thing, Jeremy. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't call me out on here. Well, at, at, and I think there's a fine line with that. There's a fine line between, you know, five great blog post titles. And then it goes over the five different ways that you can title blog posts. There's different, there's, there's a fine line between, teaching fundamentals of good messaging and good marketing and, you know, good solid communication ideas. There's a fine line between that and, you know, five tactics to gain a thousand Twitter followers in a week. I, there, I, I just think that, that it's a, it's a pretty fine line. And, you know, when you, when you're in the blogging world or you are providing resources for the church, that it might be tempting for some to, um, maybe over promise or try to come up with ideas and posts that, that get more shares. Because at some point, just like what we've said with Jonathan saying, you know, here are the fundamentals. Now go do it your own way. We get so we get so caught up in the end result, 
we forget about those fundamentals and it's all about the shares it's all about the page views and it's no longer serving the reader I, I agree I, I think that uh, social media is most places I think it was John Acuff a few years ago who said uh, he thinks it's funny whenever someone stands up and, and claims to be a social media expert and it's like saying uh, I'm an expert in this thing that's only existed for about 10 years you know it's just it's, it's hilarious uh, the rules are being rewritten all the time but at the same time there are some fundamentals that we've, I think we've all kind of established at this point that, that work now and when all we're doing is regurgitating the same ideas around the same things no one's growing no one's learning no one's uh, pushing the envelope and, and, and changing things and the 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 was a click we call it clickbait that that stuff just drives me insane and actually um jeremy uh, saw me engage somebody on twitter the other day he was he was doing that they were tweeting about um was it mobile giving jeremy yeah something like that about yeah. how you can most transactions are done digitally yeah, they said ninety-three uh, percent of the transactions last year were done digitally. Don't don't it's to, to churches don't miss out on 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 don't uh, invest in a method that only reaches seven percent of your congregation. And I, well, I, it, I go ahead. It, was com- it was completely two different ideas. It was comparing one to another, where all these digital transactions are happening across Amazon and Google and the stock market and everything else. Oh, and by the way. Only 7% of actual transactions are not digital, and so your church is only relying on that, which is not the case for churches. I'm sure the the tithing percentage is vastly different. It's probably oh, vastly 80, different. 90% not digital. We've been doing online giving in my church, online giving, and we've had a, a, a credit card machine, you know, a debit card machine in our foyer for, for years now, three or four years, and still... We, I would say 90%, maybe, maybe we'll go as low as 80% of our giving is not electronic. Not to forget things like direct deposit, which is technically electronic giving. No, we don't, I'm saying we don't, that's not – even with that in there, it's like at the most, at, at the most our electronic giving is maybe 15%. And so when they are tweeting that, I go, you're just – and granted, they're a company that does that, so I understand why they're doing that. But you're just – you're, you're, you're framing your statement in such a way that's not it's misleading necessarily untrue uh, tons of you know, uh, the vast majority of commerce is being moving towards the uh, online uh, and and but saying 93 percent I still I still question that actual number but it's that mentality of I'm gonna make a shocking statement that's framed poorly or framed in a very curious way and then I'm gonna get your link traffic from you mm-hmm. and, and I think that there's a amazing graph out there for those that are math nerds uh it looks at an edited chart and completely cuts off the first 90 percent and only shows you the last 10 percent of a graph and it asks is our edited charts uh um conflicting and it has five percent or ten percent yes and five percent no you don't see the other 90% and it looks like it's a 50, 50 yeah. draw. It, and, and I saw that. Here. I mean, it was, that was staggering. It was, yeah, they, they cut the, they, they did like a zoom in window essentially on the chart. Mm-hmm. And so you only saw the the area of the chart where they where, where it narrows and you, most folks don't read the axes to see what the scale is. And mm-hmm. they assume, Oh, it's pretty even. But in all reality, it was like, you know, two to one uh, for the other side. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And for typical statisticians, that's completely unethical in how you're presenting the data. And I think that there's a lot that you can get into this. For me, one of the biggest things, and especially with this this whole discussion, is 
in general, I think that um, trying to be able to compare your church to other churches, your ministry to other ministries, your ability to do something online compared to others, especially in this new medium called the Internet, is really difficult because I am so introverted it hurts, but whenever I'm online, I can actually be able to withdraw myself from something like that and be able to still engage well and just to kind of take it in little chunks and pieces. Whereas an uh, extrovert who is the greatest pastor in the world doesn't understand this thing that's internet. And so he goes to his congregation and says, you can't evangelize on the internet. It's social media and it's terrible. And so he's comparing his experience. And Phil, I know this is so postmodern that it's going to kill you, but it's, it's just this idea where if you're trying to figure out how to incorporate stuff and try to live your life. And, and I think that the way that Jonathan goes about it is amazing because he's not giving us rules. He's not giving us five tips to say, this is how your life will be better because if you just follow the way I do it and just to be able to apply all of that to your life, how you're going to do a digital ministry is going to look a little bit differently than everybody else until there's a great standard that's set in place. The way that you do ministry for your youth or for your congregation is just, just a little bit differently. And that's huge in all of this. I actually agree, Jeremy. I think that the whole idea of the three steps to better blogging and this and that, uh, th- there's room for those posts. But when that when the, those become the majority of the of the of the dialogue on this topic, our topic's pretty thin, and we've got we've got very little depth there. Uh, that's that to me. If we're gonna go philosophical, that's very modernist, and that's what that's what went wrong with so much preaching over the past uh, fifty years. Three ways to be a better Christian. Four ways to pray better. Five ways to, you know, and just that whole idea of I, I can give you a list. You know, I, everyone loves, you know, BuzzFeed articles so much, right? Church sermons have been doing that for years, okay? Like the church created BuzzFeed. Five ways to be a better Christian. Or, you know, five, you know three steps to uh, being a more loving family. And that, that was what BuzzFeed has become. I think fundamentally the contrast that we can outline here is while, while so many people want to um, – while so many people are drawn to a BuzzFeed approach, whether it be for the church website or the pastor's sermon, what we need more is is more sermons and more of an approach that you would see on something like TED Talks, something that takes more thought. And, and to be, and as Jonathan clearly his life is towards is to be outside the box and not to limit yourself. As, as his book is called Created for More, it's this idea that you need to move beyond. And his is talking a little bit about worship and creativity and all that stuff, but simply just approaching life outside the box because if you look at his life's work it's not just oh he's a worship pastor oh he is someone that wants to be an author because his range of work is way beyond that and i think that that's crucial i agree and i think uh i love the idea of the creative for more stuff and the, the whole idea of creativity um you know, a philosophical approach to creativity can be applied in any context and I, I don't know if Jonathan said it this interview, but I've heard I've heard it it's said many times before that if we truly are um, you know the redeemed of God, if we truly have God on our side, we should be the most creative enterprise in the world. Keep on fire.
That's it for this episode. Be sure to check out Jonathan Malm's books. You can find links and more at jonathanmalm.com. If you have a comment, question, or a nifty idea for an upcoming podcast, send us an email, podcast at churchmag. That's podcast at churchm.ag. Or say hello on Twitter at churchmag. And if you have ever enjoyed the Church Mag podcast in your life, a review on iTunes would be way cool. Until next week. Through Slack? It was in Slack. What? It's all right. He was slacking. It was in Slack. That's all right. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil. I've been waiting for weeks to use that joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you weren't disappointed with the the results. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. I should have waited another week. <laughs> or at least, I, I just, it feels like you normally have better timing. You were so on that so fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I rushed it. I rushed it. That's what it was. It's clear. Uh, gosh, see, it came off as scripted. That's the problem. That's what you don't want. You want it to be fresh. Darn, dang, nab it. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. <laughs> I think you can cut the audio right there.